scripture reading today. Let's stand together as we honor the word of the Lord as we read our scripture from verse 33 to verse uh, 47, uh, 47, verse 33 to verse 47. Those of us that were able to go to the uh, couples uh, retreat here uh, yesterday and uh, Friday and yesterday, we had a great time. Uh, 28 or 30 of us were uh, able to be there. It was such a blessing that uh, we, the consensus generally is for us, we want to go back there next year. But we want to bring a bunch of you with us uh, next year uh, there and have a great time. So uh, we had uh, lots of fun and uh, great truths from the word. Brother Sam uh, preached a great uh, couple of messages and, and some, just some practical truths for couples and so on uh, like that. So we had some, some uh, spiritual emphasis and some fun like that. We had a good time out there on the, on the lake with the canoes. Uh, uh, there and um, the uh, you know nobody wanted to go with Wendy out there because she has a reputation for for um, you know falling in the lake so um, we uh, I was just you know it was a couple's retreat so I had to be in Wendy's canoe with her so, <laughs> so uh, and I was just the innocent minister you know just along uh, just quietly paddling along there and uh, along the road beside me uh, Christian and Sarah Saldana and Christian instructed Sarah to tip over our boat, and so uh, she just obeyed her husband and did that. Yes. <laughs> and I, as the innocent minister, was uh, was dunked. <laughs> so, but we had a great time. So uh, memories are made, and we're looking forward to uh, having you come along with us when we go uh, go next year. Uh, the uh, Book of John, chapter eight, if you would, verse uh, thirty-three and following. They uh, answered him. We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. He could have said it this way, Is in bondage to sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen of my father, and ye do that which ye have seen of your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. And they said unto him, we, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the, from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of thy word today, and we pray that you'd help us to have the, the um, 
assurance today of who our Father is. And I pray, Father, that if there are those that have not trusted you as their saviors yet and do not know you as their personal heavenly Father, that you would bring them into our family and into the kingdom of God uh, through your saving grace. I pray for us Christians, Lord, help us to, uh, to live in a way that our words and our actions match up because we know that actions speak louder than words. I ask your blessing on the reading of thy word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you would remain standing for our final hymn, we're going to sing a verse and then have you turn around, shake hands with those nearby and greeting while the choir is coming down. The title of the message is Actions Speak Louder Than Words. Actions Speak Louder Than Words. It's an old saying and uh, it's used uh, of uh, someone who talks one way but acts another way. And of course, all of us have been guilty of that from time to time, haven't we? Talking one way, acting another Benjamin Franklin said it this way. He said, well done is better than well said. And so uh, that is true. That is very true. Actions speak louder than words. Uh, Wendy was at uh, the um, at camp there at the retreat trying to recruit people to go out canoeing. Uh, you know, yesterday in the couple's retreat, she was trying to get people to sign up for it and she assured everyone that she had no designs on trying to get them wet or overturning their canoes, <laughs> you know. But um, she was incredulous when no one believed her, you know. She found that shocking that uh, no one uh, put, any, uh, put any faith in her words there. And the reason was because she has a reputation for uh, either tipping herself over or tipping somebody else over in, that's in the canoe with her. So uh, she doesn't ever mean to, but that's just the way it turns out. So, uh, so you know, we couldn't get anybody else to go in her canoe with her. So I, as a couple's retreat, I, as I mentioned, I had, to, I, had to, I had to be the one. So, so I said, well, you're going to get in first. You know, you get in first, and then once you get settled, I'll, I'll get in. I'll hold the boat against the dock there, and, and I want you to step right into the middle of the canoe, yeah, you know, put your yeah, thing in, step right in the middle of the canoe, and keep your balance there, and then you get sit, and then I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold on best I can to it, and so she did that, but she didn't step in the middle, you know, and so I said, you know, it's, it's not good, <laughs> and so, uh, and I was doing the best I can to hold on, but she got her other foot in, and uh, it seemed like an unseen hand of providence came and just uh, <laughs> began to turn the canoe, you know. <laughs> I was holding on as best I could, too, and she, but she just, ah, in slow motion, went down into the lake, you know, so, uh, so she started from the dock, uh, you know, soaking wet, so I managed to get her uh, back into the canoe and me into the canoe, and we um, paddled our way out, and of course, by now, she was determined to get everybody else dunked as well, <laughs> so... Uh, she would say to people, come on over closer, come on over closer. I'm not going to get you wet. I'm not going to get you wet. So, but her actions had spoken louder than her words, you know. So uh, in our text, we find uh, the only person whose words and actions always corresponded and always were powerful and always were true is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And uh, so uh, we... Uh, take that lesson from uh, what is uh, discussed here in the passage that actions speak louder than words. We see that uh, his, our Lord's words and our Lord's actions always were in perfect harmony because he said, 
I do always, in verse 29 that we talked about last week, I do always those things which please Him, which please the Father. I always do the things that please God. And so His actions always corresponded with His words because His actions and His words were guided, were directed by the Heavenly Father. Now men's actions, our actions are often related to what pleases us more than what we think God wants us to do. You know, we, uh, as I'm talking about in, as mankind in general, humankind in general, we tend to um, operate our lives by what tends to please us. We have the declaration, we've heard the declaration commonly, I'll do as I please, I'll do as I want to. And in such a case, one's actions may well match his words because he said, I'll do as I please, and he does. And we confront him on that. He may say, well, at least I am no hypocrite. <laughs> you know, And it's true. His, his words match his action. I'll do as I please. And he does. And he's no hypocrite, but he's certainly a self-absorbed narcissist who is operating under those conditions. And certainly we have that uh, case, you know. We have that case. But here's a crowd of people confronting the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Jewish crowd is there, the the common people are there, the, the everyday folks, but there's also the, the um, leadership there. There's the, uh, there's the people of prominence there among the Jewish leadership. They're there as well. And uh, here Jesus is confronted by this crowd of, uh, of Jewish leaders, and uh, their ultimate goal is to get rid of him. They're, they're um, you know, they're questioning him when he accuses them of, you know, their objective being to kill him. And they're saying, who, go, who goeth about to kill thee? We're, we're, not, we're not trying to kill you. They weren't at the moment, but that was their objective. That was their goal to get rid of him in whatever way was convenient. So here he, re he, uh, he uh, revealed to all of the uh, people that were there in the courtyard area that day, he revealed to these Jewish leaders and all of the observers the irreconcilable contradictions between their claims and their actions. So that's what I want to focus on today is the, the uh, importance of our claims, our word matching our actions. So it was. I want to bring it to the present tense. Here in America, uh, you can check on the internet and you can find surveys, and there's many of them done. There's several times a year by, you know, the different pollsters, Gallup polls, a common one, and there's other, uh, there's other polls that are taken, and uh, often the, the subject of religion comes up, and so these polls ask the question, what do you identify as? And uh, uh, even today, with the declining number of those that identify as Christians, it's still 75%. The, last, the latest poll I could find uh, 2017 was 75% uh, of Christians say when asked the question, "What is, you know, what is your religion? What uh, what do you identify as?" 75% say, "Well, I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm a Christian." That's three out of four people say, "I'm a Christian." And yet, when we look at the culture, we have to ask ourselves the question: Does it seem like three out of four people in America are conducting themselves by the par uh, principles and the uh, and, and the precepts of God's Word. And, of course, the answer to that is absolutely not. We don't see that. We don't see the actions matching the testimony of the words. Oh, I'm a Christian. But 
then when it comes to actions in, uh, in the life of te one testifying as such, oftentimes we do not see the actions and the words matching up very well at all. So here in the courtyard um, are these prominent Jews who are opposing the Lord Jesus, and at the same time they're doing what we talk about in the Gallup poll. They're claiming to be children of God. They're saying, no, we're, you know, our father's Abraham. God is our father, you know, we're not born of fornication. And when they said we're not born of fornication, they were ribbing him because they were in a backhanded way accusing him of being born of fornication for he was uh, born and Joseph was not his father, his literal father, although he was his adoptive father, you know. Uh, so they're in a backhanded way giving him a, an insult. We weren't born like you were, saying, we weren't born of fornication. And of course, that was a false uh, implication, but it was their belief, it was their uh, conviction that this Jesus was, was uh, an illegitimate child. And so uh, we're, we weren't born that way. We have, uh, you know, we got a lineage, we got a heritage. We can trace our lineage back to Abraham, and God's our father, said they. It was their declaration. And, but uh, at the same time, they're claiming to be the children of God. They're acting in a fashion which is absolutely contrary to, that, to that. It was murder in their hearts, and that became evident when Jesus confronted them with the truth. Um, that became evident. And what he said to them was, uh, you know, a, a brick between the eyes. He said their father was not God but their father was the devil. And uh, so here is a group of people who the Lord God identifies, the Lord Jesus Christ identifies them as not belonging to his family, but belonging to the family of the devil. And they're claiming one thing, but their actions are declaring quite another thing. This reality is where uh, people in the current culture need to get to. I mean, if you're going to claim to be a Christian, then, then be a Christian, you know, be a Christian. Uh, if you're going to say, I'm a Christian, find out all about what that means. Find out, uh, you know, what it means in birth, in the new birth. Find out what it means in your growth. Find out what it means in your walk. Find out what it means in your talk. Find out what it means in your actions. And if you're going to claim to be a Christian, like three out of four of us Americans are claiming, let's do that. Let us not be hypocrites. Let's not let our words and our actions be two distinct and separate things. I never did like it when my dad would say, do as I do, do as I say, not as I do, you know. I would like to have had his actions and his words line up. He was a drinker and a smoker, and he didn't want me to be a drinker and a smoker, and he'd say, don't do as I do, do as I say. Uh, but it would have been much better if dad had... Uh, had his actions matching his, his words, you know, uh, would have been much better, wouldn't it? For, for all concerned, it would have been much better. But this was not the case with these uh, children of the devil who were claimed to be children of the Lord. So that's pretty harsh to be, you know, to be called a child of the devil. I mean, they, they may not have been committed to Christ, but to call them children of the devil? Well, that's the only two choices you got, you know. You're either of God or you're of the devil. You've got, you've got God as your father or the devil as your father. That's the only two options there are. It's like gender. You're either a male or you're female. It's the only two options there are. They're not 55 different ones, you know. Uh, you know? 
And you don't, you don't get the fluid in between them, you know. It just doesn't work out that way, you know. Uh, it's pretty basic. We used to understand that as kids, you know. I was only three or four years old when I got that, you know, that there was a difference between my sister and me. I understood that, you know, pretty quick. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty rudimentary, pretty elementary. But, uh, but our culture doesn't get it. They, they think, you know, it's not, you can't figure that out. You don't even know that. You shouldn't even assign it. Uh, and we got parents dumb enough, you know, in the, in the culture that we live in to allow their kids to determine what their gender is going to be. And uh, what foolishness, what nonsense, what utter, you know, it goes, it flies in the face of common sense. It flies in the face of any sort of science, any kind of biology. It's it's just made up nonsense, you know, (laughs) made up nonsense. Uh, Have we lived in a culture so long where cartoons and make-believe is, uh, you know, so much a part of our lives that we all believe we're in this make-believe world, you know, this make-up world? No, Uh, it's unfortunate that our culture's come to that place, you know, and uh, if you point out that men are men and women are women and boys are boys and girls are girls, you know, they think you're, you're guilty of hate speech, you know. Now, what hate speech is, is telling people lies about themselves and trying to convince them that that lie is the truth. That's really more the definition of hate speech. Something that will damage and destroy a person is a lot more, you know, in the area of hate speech than telling them the truth, you know. So, Jesus wasn't practicing hate speech here when he said, you are of your father, the devil. But the culture today would identify Jesus' words as hate speech, you know. They're okay with, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you and, uh, you know, um, turn the other cheek. And they're okay with that kind of stuff. But, but to tell people that they're children of the devil, oh, that is hate speech in, in, the, in their mind. And that's what they, they said, you know, that's hate speech and we hate you for it. So, so uh, it's interesting that those that are running around, uh, you know, uh, uh, accusing others of hate speech are very hateful in their conduct and their manner. Uh, they are demonstrating hate so often in their, in their manner and their fashion. So it's not a difficult thing, you know, male or female, uh, child of the devil, child of God. It's not hard. It's just, you know, there's, there's two, two, uh, two uh, families, the family of God and the family of the devil. And uh, which one you're in is really important to know today. And so um, we, we're talking about a people that didn't get it, that, were, uh, that should have understood it. They were people that had the Bible. They were people that had the temple. They were people that were in the place where God's name was. They were people that were in the nation that God had raised up and had said he would preserve until the end. They had so many advantages over uh, so many other people, and yet they didn't get it. They did not get it. So uh, here they were, this murder in their hearts, and uh, learning from Jesus that their father is the devil. Uh, and so here, we, here uh, is the condition we find them in. So I want to look at uh, those that were the servants of sin. He says in verse 32 through 34, there are those, we want to consider those for a moment, those that were the servants of sin. Um uh, they, they often don't recognize their bondage, as we saw it there in verse uh, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, we should be made free. We're not bondage to any man. We never were in bondage to any man, uh, and we're Abraham's seed. And it's funny that they said this 
uh, while they're under bondage to Rome, you know, they're under bondage to Rome, they're basically, you know, a subservient nation to Rome, and Rome's completely controlling all of their politics, all of their monetary systems, all of their schooling, all of their way of life. Rome is calling the shots, and, and they're under bondage to Rome, but they're also under bondage to sin itself. They're under the uh, they're under the bondage to sin. And uh, those, he said, that are, that are under bondage to sin are the servants of sin. They didn't recognize it. But without deliverance uh, that is spoken of through the words here that Jesus speaks to them, without that deliverance, the people are just going to be led into deeper and deeper bondage. We're distressed today to hear some of the uh, insidious crimes that people commit against other people. And we're appalled at the nature of some of these crimes being so depraved. And we ask ourselves the question, how could a person come to that place where their depravity was such that they would commit such a heinous act as that? How could they get there? They didn't just decide that one day. It was a downward spiral, a downward progression. It moved from, from bad to worse to worse to worse. It was a downward progression. And so we find that the opposite to the ideal of evolution, man evolving ever upward, ever onward, uh, we find the opposite really is true. Man, man is not evolving, he's devolving. The nature of man seems to be more and more base as every generation goes by, my friend. It's a downward progression. Now, people don't recognize it. They don't realize it. They say, I'm not under bondage. I'm free. I get to do whatever I want to do. I'm my own person. I, you know, fly by my own rules. And so they say, they don't even realize the bondage that they're under, the downward progression uh, that, they're, that they're headed for. So, um, you know, we, we as a culture have largely taken God out of the picture and His Word out of the picture. And uh, we can see the results of that in, you know, the 50 years or so since we declared God is illegal in our public square. So um, it's, not, it's not gotten, it's not improved. It's not improved, that's for sure. Uh, so with the servants of sin, the, the deal is this. God's word has no place in them. Not, not a small place, but no place. God's word has no place in them. Verse 37, we read it. It said, my word, Jesus said to them, my word hath no place in you. See verse 43. You cannot hear my word. You can't hear my word. Your ears are plugged. Your eyes are blinded. In verse 47, he said, you hear them not. You hear them not because you're not of God. And so it's pretty straightforward. Today, right here, right now in this room, here it is. Here's the deal. If you are of God, you do hear, receive, and respond to his word. And if you are not of God, you don't. That's all it's saying in verse 47. Uh, if you're of God, you hear His Word, you receive His Word, you respond to His Word, you want His Word. If you're not, the opposite is so. You can't hear it, you don't get it, you don't want it, and uh, you're just, uh, you know, biding your time. So uh, uh, if that be the case, God help you to get from the camp of the devil to the camp of the Lord. God help us to get that place. For the servant of sin, uh, anger arises when, um, you know, when the truth is, uh, is brought out. And Jesus simply is telling them the truth. He just, he is, he is uh, the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he's telling them the truth. And all their response is, is a response of anger. 
is a response of anger. And that's what it does to those that are, that are the servants of sin. The servants of sin uh, have been deceived as to who their father is. And Jesus pointed it out to them. He said, ye say, uh, ye say. And so their words were one thing. Ye say he is your God, yet ye have not known him. Now, is that you today? Do you say he's your God, but you really haven't known him personally? You haven't personally uh, come to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? You don't know him in a personal sense? That's what we're talking about today. Don't, let us not just say he is our God and say we are Christians. Let's know that we know him personally. You know, uh, Just saying so doesn't make it so. <laughs> the... Uh, the canoers, our fellow canoers, I was the only innocent one in the crowd, really, but uh, our, fellow, our fellow canoers were, uh, you know, were recognizing that just because Wendy said it was so didn't make it so. Just because Wendy said she wouldn't splash them or try to tip their boat over didn't make that to be the case, you know. Um, now, Wendy will be at Ironwood again next year. She'll be at the Ironwood Ladies Retreat, and again, she'll try to convince ladies to come in her canoe with her. And again, they will reject her word because her actions speak louder than words. So here was a crowd saying, no, no, God's our God. God's our God. Come on. God is our Father. He's our Lord. We're the, we're the ones. You know, we're the chosen. But Jesus was saying, no, it isn't the case. Because I've looked at your actions, I've looked at your heart, I've looked at your attitude, I've looked at your spirit, and they don't line up with what you're saying, that you're a child of God. They just don't line up with that. And so today, if uh, you're saying one thing, but your life and actions is portraying quite another, then uh, let's do business with the Lord and let's get... Uh, you know, let's tip over your boat. <laughs> let's tip over your boat and let's get you in the right one. Let's get you in Jesus' boat. That one never sinks, you know. That one never sinks. And so uh, let's get you in the right one today. If you uh, in the wrong family, let's, put you, uh, let's get you into the family that God has adopted us into. Nothing good. We've, none of us have done anything good to deserve being in God's family. It's the Lord that did all the good. And he got to, he let us, we just got to get in on the good that Jesus did for us. So we got no claims. We're not saying, you know, we're any better in any sense than anybody else. Because uh, we know better than that, you know. We know that uh, we, we are here by the grace of God alone. So we want you to come and go with us. So there's the servants of sin, and then there's the reality of Satan that is uh, revealed there in verse 44. You have your father, the devil, and the lust of your father. You will do. He's a murderer from the beginning, a bold not in the truth, and it's because there's no truth in him. The reality of Satan. Our culture has attempted to make, uh, turn Satan into make-believe, you know, but he remains a real living person. His lusts are very real, and his lusts are to have power over men's souls. His lusts are to Receive worship of men, and he's doing that. He's receiving worship of men. He's got power over men's souls. His lust is to do anything to disrupt the purposes of God in the world and in your and my life. That's his, those are some of his lusts. Jesus said of him, he's a murderer. From the beginning, he's been a murderer. He's, a, he's got the heart of a murderer. He's a murderer. Everyone that's ever murdered someone else has the heart uh, beat of Satan operating in their heart when that happens. See, he's a murderer. There's no truth in him, not some truth, 
not a mixture of truth and error, but there's no truth in him. He is the father of lies. So every time we lie, we're, we're doing the will of the father of lies, you know. And so uh, God help us to be, uh, never uh, have as our characteristic the characteristic that belong to the devil himself. As a father, of course, he wants his children gathered to him. Just as the heavenly father will have his children gathered to him, the devil will have his children gathered to him. I want you to get out of his family if you're in there. I want you to come into the family of God. See, Jesus gave two traits to those that were those opposers that uh, resembled their father, the devil. He said uh, these opposers of his had the spirit of murder like the devil did. You seek to kill me, he said. And he pointed out their great disgust with the truth. They didn't want to have the truth. They wanted to have their traditions. They wanted to have things set up like they already had them. And that's the way they wanted to live. I thank God we don't have to, you know, stop in the, in the context of the message there with the servants of sin and what that's all about and with the reality of Satan and what that, that's all about. But we have, uh, above all that, the Son of God, our Savior. He breaks the bondage of sins. He's the one that does it. The Son shall make you free. He doesn't just set you free. You know, you weren't just like set free. You were remade. You were made a free man. It's not like, you know, he looks at you and says, yeah, you were, you were mostly a slave and now you're free from slavery, but still, you know, you, you got the characteristics of a slave. That's not what he said. He said, if the Son shall for, uh, therefore shall make you free, you shall be free in, indeed. You know, we're not just set free. We're made different. We're made free. We're made as though we were free from the time we were born that's what we're talking about, made free. Uh, he delivers from death. If any man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Well, what about all the Christians that have died? You know, they, they didn't see death like the Bible describes death. The Bible describes death this way. He said then, then uh, at the great white throne and judgment uh, bar of God, he said, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, and this is the second death, the second death, the permanent one, you know. And uh, he said for the Christian, you'll never see that. You'll never see death. Oh, you'll be separated for a while from body, from soul, and spirit. But we'll put that back together. We'll get that taken care of, you know. Going to fix your body up, uh, you know, take care of all the mess. You get all those pimples off there, you know. Give you your hair back, you know, full head of hair. Uh, looking forward to that. No more bumps on the head. Looking forward to that, you know. Uh, uh, you know, the docs have taken care of my eyes. I got, I got my eyesight back again, but he's going to focus them up sharp, you know. Back on the back row, you're just a little bit fuzzy back there, fuzzy wuzzy. But the uh, Lord's going to take care of that. He's going to take care of all that. He's going to give you that glorified body, put your body, soul, spirit back together, and you're going to have a body like unto his body. What a, what a great uh, thing that will be. He is the one that delivers from death, and he is the truth. He's not just speaking the truth. He is truth. He's sent from God. We see these, uh, these deniers of his dishonoring him. They're uh, denying him. They're dishonoring him and uh, uh, abusing him and profaning him. We don't want to be ever guilty of that. Uh, profane people repeatedly invoke. It's interesting to me that the, the profane repeatedly invoke the name of God or the name of Jesus Christ, and they incorporate that into their cursing. Because they don't see the blessing, they look for the curse, you know. And so um, incorporated into profanity and cursing, often is God, His name, or Jesus Christ, 
or the attributes and characteristics of God. And th those are, you know, incorporated into profanity. So uh, as a Christian, when you uh, become a child of God, you need to learn that, not that you don't want to be acting like you did before profaning the name of God. You don't want to use God as a, as a you know, um, an exclamation of some surprise or disgust. You don't want to use Jesus Christ as a name of surprise or disgust as an exclamation for something. And you as a Christian don't want to go around and saying, oh, my God, about this and that and everything else. It's just a, you're using it as a profanity. You're using it as an expression of a surprise or disgust or wow, you know. Don't, don't do that. That's, that's profaning the name of the Lord. That's what, it, that's what these people were doing. They were dragging the name of the Savior through the mud and the name of God through the mud. And Jesus identified that's the, that's the speech of a child of the devil, not a child of God. So uh, he, he uh, confronts them all on all of those things, the uh, dishonor and the denial and so on. He confronts them. For he is not only the Son of God or not just, you know, in the sense of that role of in the triune God. He is God himself. He's God manifest in human flesh. And he says that in verse 58 uh, there, the last verse of that uh, chapter, 58 and 59. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> And he said it no more clearly. He says it through the book of John several times, and our translators help us with clarity when, they, when he would say something in the context of I am he. So they would add, you would see where they add the word he, and I'm glad, uh, I appreciate the honesty of the translators of the authorized Bible. When they added something that isn't in the Greek text, uh, but was put there to clarify what the message of the Greek text was, they put it in uh, italics. And so that, those italics tell you that that word was something that they saw clarified the meaning of the verse for us so that we could better understand it um, and, and get it, get what he was talking about there. They were honest enough to tell us when they did that, you know, where the, you won't see that in the, any of the other modern translations where they're honest enough to tell you where they, you know, put something in there that they don't have a Greek word that actually corresponds to that word. So I uh, deeply appreciate that about the, uh, the, uh, the preservation of the scriptures in that way through how God used those men. You know, if you've got to you know, look at some of your other Bibles and you'll find that's the case. They add things, take things out, leave things around, change things around without letting you know anything about that. But uh, a lot of times, so he says, I am, and then there's that word he added. But here, he, here the translator said, let's leave this just like it is. Before Abraham was, I am. And the reason why they put it that way is because Abraham was, you know, but Jesus is eternal and everlasting and no beginning and no end. So it's just I am, you know. He is, he is God manifest in the flesh. So they, uh, they uh, were confronted with that. And of course, when they were confronted with that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. They took up stones to stone him. You know, just a little bit ago, they were saying, Jesus said, you're, you're seeking to kill me. No, we're not. No way. What's wrong with you? You've got a devil or something. We're not trying to kill you. But it's only a, a few minutes later, they're taking up stones to kill him. And Jesus knew something about them that they didn't know about themselves. So they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus himself went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. He just walked right through the middle of them, you know. Uh, did they dare uh, throw a stone, or were they blinded? I don't know. But he went 
walked right through the middle of them, passed right by them, you know, as they were seething with anger and rage and ready to do something and just didn't know what to do. So there it was, there it was. Well, the conclusion of the matter. Uh, there's names that you might recognize, Joshua McDowell, Lee Strobel, Frank Morrison. These are just some of the multitude, many, many others. We could give you the names of a host of others. These men, these three men I mentioned in particular are more, some of the more recent ones. Um, they, uh, each of these guys set out uh, in an attempt to prove that the gospel is a fallacy and that the Bible is not the word of God. They, they, all, were deter- they all were committed to that. They're brilliant men, all three of them. But that, that was their thing. They were just saying, sick of these Christians running around, not, not getting it, thinking the Bible is true, believing this business of the resurrection and all that nonsense. And so uh, each, in each case, in a different place, in a different uh, era, uh, these three men determined we're going to research and research. We're going to dig and we're going to get historical documentation and we're going to go into archaeology, and we're going to find all the resources, and we're going to look at all the secular sources that we can find to prove that there was no resurrection and that this Jesus was just a mixed-up, confused fella that thought he was something he was not. So that's what all, all three of these men, that was their purpose. They were all skeptics, and, and uh, during the course, in each case, in a separate place, in a separate venue, apart from each other, in each case, these men came to the same conclusion that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ so much more overwhelming than anything they could find that would suggest even that it was not so, that all three of them came to the place where they were converted to Jesus Christ. So, you know, and they began to grow. They began to get plugged in and follow the Lord, and they began to write. Uh, and all three are, are, have been uh, successful apologists for that doesn't mean they apologized for the gospel. It means they defended the gospel. They're successful apologists for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lee Strobel's written many, many books that, uh, you know, good practical things in there. And, and uh, Josh McDowell, many uh, things, um, you know, that uh, just uh, evidences that you can use to kind of help you with arguments for those that are skeptics against the, the uh, veracity of the Bible. So, and I, I've always, you know, I've always challenged people who are skeptics. Well, if, if what I'm saying, if you think what I'm saying and this gospel that I'm giving to you is just a bunch of hooey, uh, then go prove it. Go. I mean, there must be plenty of evidence to demonstrate that, that you can either prove that Jesus was some kind of a lunatic or he is the greatest liar that ever lived, you know. Uh, you should be able to, to demonstrate that. You should be able to, to dig up enough proof of that uh, even now to demonstrate that it's all, you know, this was all uh, a lie. So challenge them to that, and uh, if they're serious about it, there won't be any of them that come back and give you anything to prove their case. They'll all come back and say, I was converted to Jesus Christ, you know, I'm a child of God. They'll all come back that way, and so it is that that profound. The Bible said that there will be many infallible proofs, and there's, that's no mistake, you know, in the Word of God. There are many infallible proofs. And proofs that cannot be denied, cannot be argued. So uh, certainly there are. Thank God for that. So uh, if you want to repeat the process that dozens of other men have done, you can do it if you want, or you can just take their word for it. You know, they must, maybe they know something uh, after all that research that you don't know yet. And uh, 
just take their word for it if you want to, or you can go through all the work they went through and come to the same conclusion they did. <laughs> doesn't matter which way you get there as long as you get there. You know? Just get there to the truth. Well, you can embrace truth. You can embrace the truth today, and the truth will make you free. It'll make you free. It'll set you free of the bondage of the servitude to sin and the servitude to Satan. It'll move you out of the family of the devil into the family of God. Uh, the truth will make you free. And the truth is Jesus died for you in your place, was buried and resurrected the third day, and uh, gave us the power over death and hell in the grave by his resurrection. And it's all his work. And your, your part is to simply... Uh, be willing to, to be turned by God to Christ and be saved. That's it. That's it. You know, he'll do all the work that's involved. There's no work. You don't have any work to do. Just a willingness, a willingness to be saved. And so uh, it's all, it's all uh, you know, the ball's in your court, so to speak, and you can, uh, you can have that settled today. Now, you say, Pastor, I'm already saved. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. Uh, and uh, I'm, by the grace of God, I know I don't deserve it, but I've got it. And I thank God for it. So for you as a Christian, our our lesson today, our message today for us is that our actions need to correspond with our testimony that we're children of God. We say we're children of God, God help us to make sure our actions look like that, look like what we say we are, you know, and so it is. My challenge for you and I as Christians is God help us uh, not to live our lives uh, in a manner that we could be accused of being consistently hypocritical because we say one thing and we keep doing another thing, you know. God help us to uh, be people that uh, can can be uh, that it can be said of us by others. That, hey, you know what he says? He believes he really does try to live by that. He he really lives that way. You know, he says he's a Christian, and and you know from watching his actions, he responds to things like a Christian. He he loves God's people. He loves God's house. He loves God's word. He seems to you know he seems to be she seems to be a. Uh, you know, uh, a person that lives like she says she is. So God help us to be like that. Let's stand together and give an invitation. If you need to respond at the altar and come, I'll encourage you to do that uh, today. If you're here and you need a church home and you be believe this is where God's led you, uh, you uh, need to respond as well. And I'll encourage you to come and, and um, you know, throw in your lot with us, so to speak there. If you're here and you're saved, you, you've been born again, but you haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism, I want to urge you to come and, and uh, follow Jesus in baptism. It's not, it doesn't make you any more saved if you're already saved. See, it uh, just identifies you with the death and burial and resurrection of Christ and gives a, gives a testimony to all that are observing that, uh, that you want to follow Christ with your new life and your new walk. So I encourage you, if you've been born again, uh, but haven't been biblically baptized, that you ought to come. Uh, let's bow our heads together. We have a word of prayer before we sing. 562 is what we're going to sing, just as I am, without one plea. 562, we're going to sing that. Our heads are bowed. No one's looking about. And uh, maybe you're here today and say, Preacher, um, the, word, the Word of God has, um, has spoken to my heart today, and I, I, I want to know for sure that I'm, uh, that I'm a child of God, that I'm in the right family. I, I, need, I need to get that question settled. And I'm, I'm not going to call you by name or embarrass you in any way. I just want between you and me and the Lord, I want to just pray for you. Uh, there may be several here like that. I, I don't know. Uh, I remember when a preacher gave me those truths and helped me to get it. You know, I thank God for that. Uh, but maybe you're here like that. You say, Pastor, I, I, I am not absolutely sure that I, I'm, um, I'm in that family of God. I'm 
concerned enough to say, pray for me. Here's my hand. Would you lift it up and let me pray for you a moment? Just lift your hand up a moment and hold it there so I can see it, and I want to pray for you. All right, I see that hand. Is there another? Somebody else? Okay. All right, somebody else? Pastor, I, I got to get that question settled. I, I, I you know, I, I want to know I love God, and I want to know, uh, I mean, it's family. Pray for me. Here's my hand. Somebody else? All right. You may put them down. You may put them down. Or somebody, anybody else? Well, wait a moment. All right. We're going to pray for those that lifted a hand that uh, God will guide them and bring them to him and, uh, and give them that peace of God which passeth all understanding that 